Tonight's topic is on the virtue of faith. Faith is a strength. The word virtue comes from the word, well, manliness, and in that case, they mean strong. It is something every single one of us received in baptism. And if you were baptized as an adult, you were given graces that are called prevenient graces that allowed you to start believing. In fact, this year, two people will be baptized as adults. They were given an anticipatory kind of faith. And so you have that special gift of faith that can be given right before baptism that allows you to say, I believe in God and I believe in the church and I want to be baptized. But then you are given, and all of us here who have been baptized are given this tremendous gift of faith. Now, what is the gift of faith? Faith means you have the power to believe in things seen and unseen that are not always easy to assent to. Now, officially, believing is the assent of the mind and the heart to certain truths. Some of these truths are, well, frankly, everyday things. Now, this might seem hard to believe, but how many of you know that the earth is round? I'm sorry, have you been up in space and flown around the earth? My dad sailed around the earth in a ship during World War II all the way around. So he knows it. I have not been in space. I have barely seen the curvature. I can't even claim that I've actually seen the curvature of the earth. It's, it's really hard to see unless you're like way up high. It is something, I have to be honest, I don't know, I haven't proven. I've read about how the Greeks, the ancients, prove it, proved it. It's really neat. <clears throat> they actually put near the equator, they just measured, they put a stick straight up and down. They measured the, at a certain time of the day, noon, they measured the uh, shadow, and then they measured off a ways north or south, I'm pretty sure it was north, because they were in Egypt, and then they measured what the shadow was at the exact same time. They had somebody figuring out exactly what, when it, the sun was specifically at noon, and they realized that one was straight up, almost a, just a little bit of a shadow because it wasn't near the equator. The other one had a longer shadow at the exact same time. They were able to calculate only off by a thousand or so miles the uh, circumference of the earth. It's pretty amazing. I've read it, but I didn't actually do the measurements. So you know what? I believe it. I believe the earth is circular. Actually, it is a globe. I believe it. I don't know it but I believe other human beings. We believe a lot of normal things. I believe that people will, for the most part, stop when the light is red. I also make sure to look left and right that there isn't somebody speeding just in case. But there is a higher form of belief. Again, I could talk at length about the normal kind of belief we always have. Like when my uncle and aunt would tell me something, I believe him. Sometimes when we tell jokes, we say something 
And people are meant to believe it until we tell them it's not true. And it's funny. <laughs> well, not really. Not always. Uh, that's called a jocular lie, which I don't recommend doing. But matters that are very important about God, the Bible, about the church, things that can be seen like the Holy Eucharist, but there's an element that can't be seen. We say, I believe that Jesus is truly present in what looks like a piece of bread. I believe he is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. I have a power of belief and assent in a certain item of belief. I don't want to get into the differences between the two, but for our purposes, I am talking about the power of belief. Believing in something divine, something supernatural. I know I have free will that's weakened. I, I know that. It's hard to prove it to others, but I know it. But you know what? I believe that that was a gift from God. I know it couldn't have developed from chance, but I believe it's from a loving God. I cannot prove to you that there is a loving God. I, I kind of sense it, but I can't write an argument to prove there's a loving God. I'm just going to tell you I believe it. I've got some evidence, a lot of evidence, but I believe the saints. I believe the Gospels. So a lot of my evidence still deals with belief. I have had personal experiences praying. My most powerful prayer was every day in the Holy Land, and that was quite amazing every day because it was a miracle that I would wake up super early too and pray six until, trust me, that's a miracle. 6.30 Mass is extremely difficult for me. I wake up when I need to. Sometimes that's not even enough. Um, but I had amazing prayer where I could sense the presence of God and the clarity of God's call for my vocation. I believe God was speaking to me at that point. Not in, not in a way you could hear it, but in my heart. I believe it. And I believe in God's love for me. I believe that God has a plan for me. I believe that God can transform a murder, a sin, people murdering Jesus into our salvation. I know that I'm responsible for his death, but I believe that Jesus' loving and humble acceptance of his death is offering me a chance for eternity. That is the power of faith. And boys and girls, when you've been baptized, you have that ability. You can let your faith rust because you don't use it or gather dust, but you've got it. I like to tell, uh, you know, at baptism, sometimes I used to, I don't do it as much anymore, but I used to talk about having a nugget of gold in your backyard. Can you imagine for a moment that you had a nugget of gold in your backyard. Wouldn't that be amazing? Think about that, like this big. Now, in order to be rich, what would you have to do? It's in your backyard, underneath the sod, and right now, underneath the muck, right? In order to get to that nugget of gold, what would you need to do? It's under the ground. What tool would you use to get at it? A shovel. A shovel. And now that you know how to dig, 
you can have him dig the garden. Okay? I'm just kidding. Just teasing. Sorry. Uh, hey, no. That's the good thing about Minnesotans. We always know how to use shovels in the winter. Um, now, this gift of gold, it is worthy of something, but it's not valuable until you really dig it up. The gift of faith you have has been, in a sense, buried inside of you. It's there. It is valuable, but it's more valuable the more that you let it out. You say, I believe in God, and you meet it on Sundays. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen or unseen, that is seen or and un- what is it now? I'm cheapers. I can do it in Latin. They changed the translation on me. Anyway, um, so you have this faith, boys and girls. You've got it. But make sure to use it. Use this great power of faith. I believe God loves me. Even when it's difficult, God loves me. When I have sinned, God loves me so much, he wants me to say I'm sorry. I believe that. I really do. I believe that God wants me to be a saint. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Yes. So, uh, you should ask God to help you to strengthen your faith, and I'm going to let the others talk about that. Father McConville is going to talk about dangers to faith, things that might weaken danger or endanger your faith. Dangers to faith. First off, what Father was saying, faith is a gift. It's a gift that God gives us to say yes to things that are proposed to us, that are given to us, because of who God is. God, creator of the universe, tells us about the universe. I've got this thing in my car on the passenger side called a glove compartment that has everything but a glove in it. And in that glove compartment is this large book that I pull out I'm going to have to pull it out this weekend because it's one of the two times of the year I need it to figure out how to turn my clock forward an hour or back an hour. The name of that book is the user's manual. Who wrote the user's manual, do you suppose? Who wrote it? The people that made the car, very good. And so do you think that because they built the car, do you think they maybe have a better idea than I would about how the car should work? They they built it, right? So they know it. They know what it's made out of. They know what kind of fuel to put into it, how much air to put in the tires, right? So I trust them. If they're going to give me a book that says, read this, even though I'm only looking at it to figure out my clock, but that's all right. Uh, read this. This will tell you what you need to know. I trust them because they built the car. So it is faith is given to us as a gift from God and God is telling us, proposing a fancy word, just saying to us what it is we are to say yes to. And we trust God because he's God. God is truth, God is goodness, God is all those things. We know this, and we can say yes because of that. Now we get there, this gift of faith. It has to 
end up somewhere. You can have a nugget of gold under the turf in your backyard. But where does faith go? Right? Goes in our minds. Father was talking about our minds, our being, our agreeing and saying yes and believing. We know that that's all mind stuff. But aside from believing, what else do we do with our minds? You're doing it right now. You're listening. What else is it doing inside? Thinking. Thinking, yes. God gave us minds not only that we can look at the world and kind of make sense about it, but we also can start putting things together, start linking ideas and figuring out how to accomplish great things, right? And to know deep facts because certain things follow after other things like Newton watching apples fall out of trees or, or uh, Galileo watching a chandelier in a church swinging back and forth and thinking about pendulums. Well, he didn't yet because he hadn't figured out pendulums, but he did. <laughs> Again, he was thinking. So this is the beautiful thing. Our minds are given this grace of faith. But there's a problem. We're human beings, Father said, our limitations, and all of the other nastiness that comes along with original sin, with our disobedience, also comes along with our minds. And so our self-will, me, I'm going to do it my way, I know better, unfortunately, can come into the situation, come into the picture. So let's go back to my car, all right? My uh, car manual tells me what type of fuel, and I've used this analogy before, but we can use it with regard to faith. It tells me what kind of fuel to use, what sort of octane, 86, 87, whatever it is. And that's what I should put into it to get my car to run the best because they built it, they get it, and they just say, listen to us. Just listen to us. Put that in. Well, of course, if I'm responding properly, generously, sure, I'll do exactly what the book says. But I'm selfish. I'm selfish. I'm a sinner. I want my own way. I don't care what's real. I don't care what's true. I want what I want when I want it. And I like maple syrup. Love maple syrup. Just had Belgian waffles the other day. Tons of maple syrup. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Well, maple syrup, okay. My brain, thinking. Remember thinking? We do this? My brain says maple syrup is good. My brain says I need to put something in my car that's going to make it run. Why not put something good? Right? So, maple syrup in the car you go. Guess what? <laughs> the car won't go. Well, why not? Because I thought I knew better than the people that made the car. Maple syrup's good, sure, it's great, but not for fuel. It's great on pancakes. And likewise, gasoline isn't great on pancakes. It's all right in a car, right? So this is, this is where how faith works. That while faith allows us to say yes to these things that we believe in, 
that God loves us, that Jesus died for our sins. Unfortunately, also, we can sort of step out in front of it. We can be kind of like you've seen a, have you ever seen a lunar or a solar eclipse? Pretty cool stuff when the moon or the sun passes in front of the other one and it kind of blacks it out. Well, that's what we do. When we step out in front of faith, we block out that light of God and then it's just about us. So there are different sorts of dangers that can affect us because, again, I'm thinking only for me. One of those things is pride. What does God know? Right? What does he know? He only made me. (laughs) Right? I know better. So we don't listen to that, to what we're taught. We say, "I, I got it figured out on my own. There are some who try to use, again, their thinking and try to figure things out and unfortunately don't have all the information, so they end up, end up kind of going off the wrong way. I know Duluth is north. I know Highway 94 goes north, so I'll take Highway 94. That'll take me to Duluth. Wrong! It'll take me to Fargo! <laughs> and they just had snow, and I don't want to go to Fargo. course, Duluth just had snow too. But if I want to go to Duluth, I have to take a different road. So see, I need to know more than just what I think I know. But that's what pride does. Pride says, I know it all. You can't teach me anything. So there's a danger to it. What's our attitude then? Our attitude is we trust. We recognize it as God who loves us, God who built us, God who wants the best for us, wants us to be saints. That's that first little impulse of faith, that first little push that allows us to start saying yes again and again to whatever it is that God, through his church, through his sacred word and scripture, whatever these things are he presents to us, we can say yes to. And so that trust, that humility to admit, I don't know it all. And to allow ourselves to be led in faith. We don't worry about it. It's a great thing. Why? Because we know the one who's teaching us. We know the one who's leading us. So, again, our faith is a gift from God. What becomes the danger is that it's given to us, and we have to remember that we are sinful, we sometimes step out in front of God and say, it's all about me. And that's where we run into trouble. So things, we have fancy words for things like heresy and apostasy and schism and all of these different words. But the basic fact is this, that it's when we stop letting God lead and teach us and we think we know better than God does, That's where the trouble comes in. So, not wanting that to happen, how then do we strengthen our faith? Faith is a virtue. It's a a good habit. How do we strengthen? How do we cultivate? How do we work with God so that that life of faith may continue to grow and we don't step out in front of it? That is where I get to hand off to Deacon.
All right. How do we strengthen that gift of faith that's growing in us? You know, I'm. Um, you can't. Uh, when I think about about faith and how it, it uh, a great analogy is the trust that you probably have for people that you really know and trust and love. Think of your parents. Okay, your parents care about you. They love you. And sometimes you're not going to understand why they're telling you to do something or not do something, right? Now, of course, we're all fallen human beings, and it could be. Sometimes you, as you get older, you find out, you know, they, they, I don't know why they did that. But usually, usually when you grow up, you're going to find out, you know what? My parents were a lot smarter than I thought they were when I was 12 or 10. You know, I thought at that time they didn't know what they were doing. But now I do. Now I understand what they were teaching me, right? And I have in my mind a, an image, uh, something that happened in my own life. When I was, I was a pretty small boy. I was, uh, you know, not, uh, it was about the age of a lot of you. And um, we lived, uh, well, we lived in Japan. We lived in a, on an island called Okinawa, and I lived in a town called Ginoan. And Ginoan's a pretty small town. But there's a big city called Naha nearby, and I was in Naha with my dad. And we'd parked the car, and we were running errands, and we were doing things. I didn't know Naha. I didn't know it at all. And I wasn't sure where our car was. But I didn't have to worry, because I was with my dad. And he knew where the car was, and he knew how to get back to Ginoan, where our home was. So often in our lives, we'll find ourselves wondering, what am I going to do? Where where am I? What's it all about? What's my next uh, choice in life? Especially as you get older and you're thinking about the big choices, like what am I going to do with my life? How am I going to serve? How am I going to live my life? Uh, What kind of state in life am I going to have? The same kind of trust in God that you'd have, by analogy, in your parents when they know something you don't know and you trust them and you just go with them, right? Otherwise, if I had gone off on my own, I would have been lost in Naha and I wouldn't have known how to get where I needed to go. God will sometimes guide us in surprising ways, but we need to... We need to uh, cultivate that sense of trust, of just relying on him to guide us. And the best way to do that is to have a good relationship with him. If I hadn't trusted my dad, if I'd run off on my own, if I thought he doesn't know what he's doing, right? I would have had a pretty bad day that day. So how do we grow to trust God more. You grow to trust by trusting. You grow to you grow to trust Him more by relying on Him, by having a cultivating a relationship with Him. The same way that you would talk to your parents and understand more, you know, uh, uh, that they love you. So um, you can grow in faith by prayer. You can grow in faith by meditation on sacred scripture, one of the best ways you can grow in faith is, to, is gratitude. 
thinking about all those the times and all those good things in life, the good gifts that God has given from you, given you, and reflect back occasionally on when things when I didn't when I was full of doubt, when I didn't realize what where I was being led, and then I look back and I can see the hand of God guiding me. All right. I think I'll take an example of my, another example from my own life. As many of you know, I was not raised Catholic. My parents, good Christian people, I was raised, uh, they were missionaries in Japan, evangelical Protestant missionaries, and they instilled in me from a very early age a love of God, a love of Scripture. I've never regretted my upbringing. I might, you know, we would, we would, uh, we were very early on was encouraged to read scripture, meditate on it, pray over it. And in my own life, when I was about, about 18, I was being led in a rather different direction than I think anyone would have expected that I was being led because I was starting to discover the Catholic Church. And G.K. Chesterton, one of my favorite writers, uh, will talk about the three stages of conversion. The first stage is excitement. This is terrific. This is wonderful. I've never heard this stuff before. And so you're exploring it. You, you, you launch into it. Um, you know, be leading into that stage, though, there's the, there's the sense of, you know, I'm going to be fair. I'm going to be fair to the Catholic Church. I'm going to I'm going to listen, you know, I'm hearing what my, I had a friend of mine in college who was Catholic, and I thought, okay, I'm going to listen to, to him. This is, this is very interesting. And so then I started exploring and got really excited. And the third stage, so there's the, the, uh, the being fair, the, uh, the excitement of discovery, and then the third stage was running away, which is very natural for us because it's like, ooh, you know, I, 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 you, um, that uh, uh, the, suddenly that, that fear of, of, of following where God's leading us. It's our natural, our, our pride that, you know, that Father McConville was talking about or other, you know, that, that we know better. Maybe it's just, just, just being afraid of it. But there really is a fourth stage and that is acquiescence. That is falling back on loving God and knowing that the loving God who is guiding us is not going to guide us wrong. Again, just like relying on my dad walking through the streets of Naha is not going to guide me wrong. He's going to take me back to the car so we can get home. Okay. So, um, and you will find over the course of your life many times when you're going to be faced, maybe not with a huge conversion of life as, as, as I experienced uh, as a young man, but conversion happens over and over again in your life. And you may have those same kind of experiences. Maybe something convicts you that there's a particular habit in your life or a particular um, uh, uh, you know, aspect of your life that needs to be changed. Something that you'd never even thought about. Suddenly you realize, oh, wait a minute. That's something, that's, that's a vice that needs to be rooted out. And then what's your immediate reaction? I know what mine is. It's like, I don't want to run away. Be, you know, that, that run away from it. 
But trusting that God is going to guide us, we can have these little conversions throughout our lives. Our life is not just like a, you know, you're, you're in a, you're in, uh, you have faith, or you don't have faith, and now you have faith, you know. It's a growth. It's a, you know, and sometimes you slide back, and then you, and then you, and then you grow some more. And each time, as you get further and further in your faith, and you can look back and you can see, I've come so much further than where I thought I was, because God's guiding us all along the way. I've been a bit rambling here, but that's what you should really uh, think about: is faith is relying. It's not just accepting certain principles certain propositions, certain sentences. I believe in one God. Okay, great. Father Almighty, yep. Uh, (laughs) Maker of heaven and earth, great. You know, it's trusting a person. And that person is the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who will not lead us wrong, who loves us and has nothing but the best in mind for us, Although sometimes that might seem a little uncomfortable at the time, you can look back and say, this is, this is, this is where I was being led.